is on the Kawhi Leonard front. Now, I've uh, said last time I'd be stunned if he wasn't on the Spurs uh, this season. Now, I'd probably be very stunned if he even turned up to uh, any sort of off-season training um, with them, uh, given that uh, he's now through the media, uh, has said... And I think it was uh, Jabari Young from the San Antonio Express News who broke the story originally. Uh, Kawhi Leonard's camp have said he wants out of San Antonio. Uh, the, the, re- the relationship is uh, irreparable from his point of view. There was a bre- breach of trust uh, and a whole lot of other nonsense that uh, he sort of come out with. But it, it seems that he said uh, his preferred destination is LA and pre- particularly the Lakers, from what we understand. Um, I'll get your take first. Uh, from outside looking in, I mean, th- this to me I'll, quickly will be, this was the sort of last straw for me. This was when the penny dropped, okay. Because I was willing to give the Spurs and Kawhi the benefit of the doubt, and there was so much we didn't know about this story. But when the guy finally sits there and says, I'm not even going to tell the organisation. I'm not even going to have a face-to-face sit-down with them. I'm not even going to give them the respect to do that. I'm going to go to one of my sycophants in the media and drop this story, uh, and then the Spurs learn about it through social media. I think that was the final nail in the coffin of, OK, th- th- this is this is where this is headed, uh, and, and Kualan is not going to be coming back and playing next season for the Spurs, or it certainly seems highly, highly unlikely that would be the case. Yes, so from the outside looking in, it, it, when we heard this news that he wanted out, it, for me it just instantly made sense. It's like the 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 series of events that happened this last year, from you know just the starting point and getting a second opinion and getting you know other doctors involved. That's not the most most radical thing in the NBA, but it is unusual. Um, it's also then highly unusual then that the you know that that then that second opinion then becomes the primary uh, basically caregivers and support network for the team. And I know that was just just having that second set of doctors was for me obviously the big signal one. Then he comes back and plays the nine games and looked fine, and then suddenly wasn't fine after those nine games, disappeared again. Then we had the you know cleared he was cleared medically. We know that that was reported. And he still, quote, didn't feel comfortable. That was that February, it's after the, right after the, the All-Star break. Yep. He was supposed to come back and didn't. And actually made a trip with the team, didn't he? And then, I forget if it was Brooklyn or where it was, but, and then disappeared. And then kind of goes, um, you know, it goes back to New York with that mob. And then when they had the meeting, right, the, the sit-down, the, the team players only meeting, where, you know, Tony finally admit Tony Parker had said, look, I've had a, you know, quad injury, quote, 100 times worse than what he's got. Right? Having reflected on, he's seen it in practice. He's been cleared medically. He sees Kawhi play those nine games and didn't get re-injured in the games. Right, So we know that it was a comfort level or a pain level was the narrative we were supposed to buy. And then again, this the disappearing act, um, not with the team, not traveling with them, not with them during the playoffs. Um, and, just, and then to hear this, that he wants out, well, of course he does. It feels like about seven steps ago he was doing something to try and engineer his way out. So from the outside looking in, it looks like a uh, a petulant, selfish player who has absolutely no respect for his teammates. That's where I go. I go first to the teammates, right? Uh, there's a second point, which you'll talk about, I think, when we talk about Stephen A. Smith's rant. But for me, that's where I go. That for me is how – here's a guy who can 
you want to do scorched earth policy, burning bridges, is insult your teammates. Lie to your teammates. It's one thing if you're, there's some, you know, some treatment between management and player that's, you know, been a bit off or been a bit dodgy or, God, you know, maybe an injury went badly and didn't get the right treatment. You know, then you could probably see your brotherhood, the team team members kind of bonding together going, shit, man, you know, sorry, and, you know, working with it and trying to, you know, support and help. But this wasn't like that at all. He just literally put himself on an island. And and then I don't even mention all the, what he had to put poor Pop through, having to, Pop basically had to relegate himself to saying, quote, ask his group, right? When Kawhi's group tells us, right? It literally relegated to um, that sort of level of communication through the media in very glib terms. So it all just adds up where, um, the disrespect for his teammates was probably the greatest signal I got during the season that he was going to be gone or was looking. So it's a uh, we'll see what happens next. Um, no doubt we'll probably start. The speculation is already going crazy, and everyone's got their trade machines fired up. But from the outside looking in, and when you look back at those nine or ten sort of events, it just it just all adds up. Well, the Spurs still haven't heard from him officially one way or the other, so they still haven't received an official trade request from him. This is also the going through the media at the moment. This is this is how ridiculous it's gotten, um, this whole situation. So it, it, to me, it now appears as though I think he was right to play in, in February, March, and he's just chosen, I don't yes. want to play anymore. And that, yep. that's a bad look for him. It's obviously a bad look for the franchise. And it kills his value in terms of trade value because now it's like if he gets traded somewhere he doesn't want to be, if he gets signed an extension, if this guy gets traded somewhere he doesn't want to be, he might just turn up in the off-season and say, yeah, my quad doesn't feel like it, guys. I'm off to New York. Uh, I'll call you in a month. You know, this this is the character you might be dealing with here, Ned. Now, maybe I'm being a bit unfair. We're, we're not privy to every single conversation that's going on, but this is now how it looks, and, and that they haven't they haven't really cared about the optics of how this looks, the way they've gone about things. And you put on top of it the fact. I mean, you're talking about the teammates. He's he's sitting there saying, "Well, I'm the wronged party," and this was the point Stephen A. Smith made. He said he just got paid twenty million dollars to play nine games. And he's acting like the wronged party. And then you, you put yourself in the team's position. They were busting their asses off. They were a top four seed for quite a way through that season until it became clear. And obviously they had a much tougher draw in the second half of the year. But until it became clear that Kawhi wasn't there and they had a period where LaMarcus Aldridge missed a few games. And on top of all that, all that other stuff, you've got Greg Popovich, the most beloved figure in the whole organisation, have his wife dying that everyone in the franchise knew about. Now, I'm not saying, you know, that, that Kawhi Leonard should have that as his, his number one sort of thing that he's thinking about either, but it, it has to come into your thinking, just the respect that you have for an organisation and the people within it um, to factor that in. And I guess I think more from the teammates' point of view, when they're seeing this guy just only seem to care about himself, and this is an organisation that is used to just... if. Pop tells us to do something, or if the doctors tell us to do something, we do it. And it's not an organisation that's used to people going out and having second opinions. And then, you know, shutting off the lines of communications even after getting that second opinion. Uh, and then sort of not not, communi- not, you know, not communicating with your teammates, not communicating with, with um, the team to sort of say, this is where I'm at. It was just always, and I think the the message we got through the media was exactly the same as what the team was getting behind the scenes was, oh, it's hard to explain, but I'm not right to come back yet. 
Yep. It all sounds like a, I don't know, this is a, it's like the group. Is it a, uh, a guy who's getting horrible advice? And I go, if this is a guy whose agent is his uncle, is getting horrible advice, what's it tell you about the character of the player to let, you know, let a family member who's a first-time agent into his life? So what's it say about the confidence or the mindset or, the, let's be honest, the intellect of Kawhi? to choose this guy to be part of it. And well, on the back of that, I'd, I'd say that, so Kawhi's father got murdered when he was very young. So this Uncle Dennis has been like a father figure to him yep. since he was very, very young. So um, there is, there, and he's a very tight-knit, that little group that they have is very tight-knit. And unfortunately, it doesn't seem, well, there's no question he's been getting, not getting the best advice. I mean, if you want out of San Antonio, fine, but there's a way to do it and there's a way not to do it. That's, that's certainly that's so, the way they're going. Yeah, but there's lots of ways. Again, I don't pretend to know the, the, again, the emotional and ob- dynamics between him and that in, in Dennis but it, it again from the outside looking in and Kawhi would have lots of friends right if there's an organization to handle complex sort of situations like that you'd think it'd be the right, the wisdom of pop in that group if, if Kawhi genuinely said man I need you know separation of church and state here separation of family and business there's lots of ways to make Dennis you know look good or feel empowered feel powerful or feel important and not have him be his goddamn agent right mm. so I, I, it's, so obviously he's getting some bad advice. So I, I probably have an ounce of empathy for the guy. I do under, I guess, empathize a little bit. But yeah, he threw his teammates under the bus. And I go, there's one thing to throw your teammates under the bus for a game, you know, through comments. It's an entire another team, another thing to throw your entire team under the bus while they're busting their ass to try and make the playoffs while they're undermanned. Right. That's what I. That's an that for me is an unforgivable act what he did to the guys, you know, and you got old man Powell's busting his ass and old man Manu's giving it a go. And as Tony said, you know, he'd had injuries far worse. So um, can't believe it. A player has made the San Antonio Spurs a sympathetic group, right? Now they, they're literally <laughs> the white walkers in game of zones, right? So if, if a team, I can't, I guess we'd have to go back a little bit to, I was, I was, you know, texting you offline today when this sort of became clear. I go, and is this actually worse than the decision? And I, part of me says it actually is worse than the decision because we all saw what LeBron did, how he did it was awful, but no one argued with the fact that Cleveland, you know, giving him Mo Williams and Anderson Vergeau probably wasn't going to win a title. So, right, it's like this might be one of the worst sort of sabotaging things that an old well, player could do to his this teammates. Is, this is closer to the Vince Carter in Toronto than, than the decision, I guess. Oh, um, but this yeah, is yeah. even worse still. Yeah. This is even worse still. Because the Spurs, rightly or wrongly, they, they viewed themselves as contenders coming in this year. And, and to your point, you know, Golden State had their struggles. They were vulnerable at different periods in the playoffs. So who knows with a healthy Kawhi, how that, that season, and, and, and obviously a fully engaged Kawhi, how that season plays out for the Spurs, but we never quite got to see that, um, unfortunately. So I think from that point of view, certainly it's, I think it's worse than the decision as it stands at the moment. There, there may yeah. be some yeah. other news to come out. And, and the Spurs have... Um, rehabilitated their image since the sort of 07 days where they were the bad guys uh, of the NBA. They've, they've rehabilitated their image over the last 10 years. Uh, so it is... Uh, but but there's still some elements, I think, well, in the media that are, that are relishing this, um, seeing the Spurs struggle this way. Yeah. 
that's juvenile. But just to this point, though, look, we've we've seen this happen recently. Obviously, Kawhi, sorry, Kawhi, Kyrie, and Paul George, right? Just not even twelve months ago, both demanding trades. But but those players didn't quit on their teammates. Those players busted their ass through the playoffs, right? That's why I'm saying this is worse. This is you know, there's one thing again to to demand a trade and get out, and it's an entire another an entire different class of person to refuse to play a fake injury and disappear during the season. I don't care if you're a 60 win team, Daz, you're, you're the fucking Orlando magic. You, you just, you just don't do that. If you want to have a shred of respect around the league. So I'm going to be fascinated by who's going to wrap their arms around this guy. You know, so part of the narrative is around and the, the theories are going, Oh, it's just, you know, is he just on the phone with LeBron and LeBron going to take advantage of a, you know, an inefficient market here and go, Hmm, here's a chance where his value's a bit down. Look, his trade value is probably higher to the Los Angeles Lakers than anyone else, which is, to your point, teams who perceive him on a rental and a non-committed player at that, you know, his trade value is pretty low. And so this is a tricky spot for San Antonio to try and tread. It's like, hey, you know, maybe we can get a great package if we send him to, you know, maybe Phoenix is probably more a broker, but to, uh, I don't know, pick your team, send him to Philly or send him to Boston or something. But what are the chances of him signing there long-term? Probably not very good which teams know. And so, you know, that's this, the, the tension that's going to have to be broken is you're going to either have to, you know, bend over um, San Antonio and send the Lakers and give this guy what he wants, which, you know, is good. Just make, you can imagine pop (laughs) signing, you know, Buford signing the papers, send him to the Lakers to empower them, you know, to basically let him build a super team. That's not easy to bloody do, but that might be their best trade package. So, this is a hard, hard spot for them at the moment. I don't know if you, you we might have a little more insight as to well, how they might the think thing about is, this. Uh, well, they're they're in they're in caught between a rock and a hard place because you don't they hate the I mean, Pop hates the Lakers. You can understand this, Daz. He I, I watched him throw a game last year, or sorry, the season before last uh, to hurt <laughs> the Lakers' lottery odds. We spoke about it on on this pod. That's right. It was an amazing game. He does not. He he still remembers the power trade back in the day, which you know, I think Spurs fans believe cost the Spurs maybe another shot of the title. Although as it turned out, it probably cost Phoenix a title as much as anything yeah. else. Uh, but um, from that point of view, I, I and I think it's going to be a fine left for you, the Kawhi, to say no. You no one's going to want out on us and hold us to ransom like this and say we want yeah. to go there. But on the other hand. If you're any other team in the league, why are you going to sell the farm to get this guy in? Even if they give you a nod, nod, wink, wink, yep, we'll sign an extension. Would you really trust the word of these guys the way they've conducted themselves yeah. this year? I don't think Honestly, so. You'd have to be doing it in the Paul George model, which is the you just know it's going to be one season and you roll the dice, right? But this dice is even a riskier roll than... I guess the, the likelihood of Paul George staying in Oklahoma. Well, at least so you knew if to... Paul George was going to turn up and play. This guy might well, not even turn up days. Yeah, that's a, that's a different point. Yep. What injuries are he going to fake next year? Yeah. Well, he could just say, I've got a recurrence of this one. Like, he's, yeah. he's been declared fit since February, or probably January, actually. So yeah. he could just say, oh, yeah, guys, it's still a bit sore the day after I work out. As I said, I'm going to New York. I'll, I'll text you in a month. To keep you informed. So that's where we go. The how does what are the medical tests? You know that that teams do right when they if the trade gets you know make a trade and you have to pass your medical. 
and pass your physicals, um, that's going to be interesting, right? To see, right? To see, uh, it'd be interesting to hear how those go. Is he, is he going to fake it? Well, who knows? And it, it depends on, you know, I could certainly see, like, let's say the Kings come in come in, and they've, they've been talked about. The Kings say, well, look, we're not that high on anyone in this draft. We want to take a chance on Kawhi Leonard. There is a massive difference between if Kawhi Leonard gets traded to, say, Sacramento, Sacramento can offer him a Supermax at $188 million for five years. The next best a free agency team can offer is $138 million. So there's a $50 million difference there, 50 million reasons for Kawhi Leonard to choose Sacramento. Now, it's, you might say, well, it's still a long shot, but the Sacramento have also got the chip up their sleeve to say, well, look, we can do a sign-and-trade if he still wants to get that 50 million and go to where he wants to go. We might be able to get some sort of value back for him in a sign-and-trade. So they might be thinking that in the back of their minds, let's try and make the plus for a season, see if we can convince him to stay, right? Talk themselves into it. But then you've got the flip side of that. He's going to have to come in and do some medicals, and as you say, he could easily say, well, I'm not ready to go, or who knows what sort of shenanigans they might pull to get out of being traded where they don't want to be traded. <laughs> yeah, so uh, just it would be so typical of Sacramento to get involved in this, wouldn't it? <laughs> or just, I, think it I think it's a horrible mistake. I know well, it makes their... sense from the point of view that next year they have no incentive to be bad anyway. Right, So it depends on whether you think you've got a franchise-changing player with the number two pick. Now, if they just think, you know what, we're not that high in this draft, and they're terrible evaluators of talent in the draft anyway, so I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be taking any stock in what, they say, what they've said in the draft. You know, they, I heard in the podcast today, they have not signed a player to an extension that they have drafted since they drafted Boogie Cousins. That's the only player they've ever signed the extension to. And they've been picking the lottery at days, as you know, for many, many, many years now. So they are a terrible talent evaluator. But that aside, if they looked at this draft and said, look, everyone's saying Don, Doncic, we're not that high on him. We're not really that. And they've already been talking about trading down in the draft. Why not bring in a bona fide superstar and say, look, let's... Let's roll the dice and see if we can get him to stay. We've got 50 million reasons that he would stay. Now, who knows what's going to happen with the Lakers. If Kawhi goes to Sacramento, maybe LeBron says, I'm not going to the Lakers, I'm going to go to Houston. And the Lakers end up with the flotsam and jetsam that they had this year. Well, then the Lakers aren't all of a sudden aren't as attractive to Kawhi Leonard next year either. And Sacramento's close enough to where he wants to be geographically, Um if you're sort of you know hearing hearing the stories about LA, so I think if if I'm Sacramento, I could see them talking themselves into it in a vacuum. But then you put on the on top of that the fact that he's carried on like such a dick this year, and now you know he's 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 doing or his group at least is doing this sort of stuff in the off season, and that's where I'd say if I'm Sacramento, no, this, this is a no go for us because we can't afford to bring him in and five games into the season he decides that he doesn't want to be here at all, ever, and he just flies yeah. to New York, goes, does his rehab again, and that's it. But he torpedoes his entire value, though, if he does that, right? Because you've basically got two seasons. So I think it's a little bit less likely he does that next season. I think getting out is step one. Um, depends on where he lands. Look, landing in Sacramento, he's probably going to be a little bit different character than if he lands in, say, Philadelphia or Miami or something like that. So um, it's hard to, right, you go play for Brett Brown, you're probably not going to be tanking. 
you go play for uh, Pat Riley's team and they're exposed to it, you're probably not going to be, you know, self-tanking, you would think. So I, I, I do see that's a, again, it's a, it's a little bit of a risk that he, I guess, pulls the pin, but I, it just depends on where he lands. If you send him to Siberia, you send him to Phoenix or Sacramento, then I think it's a little bit more probability that he does that, even though uh, I still, I think it's not a huge chance that he, well, no, there's, and that's the, but that's the final FU too from the Spurs to Kawhi to say, okay, yeah. go to a non-contender. And oh, by the way, you want to sign with the Lakers in free agency? That's fine. It's going to cost you fifty million dollars. So yeah. see you later, right? So yeah. that's that's the, to me that's the perfect trade <laughs> for, for so many reasons, and probably not the perfect trade for Sacramento longer term. But um, certainly from a Spurs point of view, to get the number two pick, some other assets that Sacramento may have, not that they've got a lot on the books, but if whatever they can send back along with the number two pick, you can then say, well, let's go in straight into a rebuild with a high draft pick. Um, yeah. Whereas I think Boston, you know, uh, the, uh, the Boston no. deal I'm hearing that makes sense, I guess, is Kyrie Irving to some extent. If they think Kyrie is either not going to sign an extension or they're not going to want to sign him to an extension, and then what's what's the medical situation with his knee? How comf- comfortable are they in even giving him the extension? Um, and I guess from San Antonio's point of view, is it enough to just get Kyrie Irving back or what else would you need on top of that um, to send Kawhi Leonard out? Yeah. Look, the, the, the reason there's a logic with Kyrie is that he's also on a Right, he's got one year left on his deal and comes with some injury risks to kind of go. The numbers are almost exactly the same as Kawhi's. Yeah, um, you'd need something extra back, but you know, I think I don't know what that might actually might be. It's Kyrie, Rozier, and Morris, or something, or Kyrie, Rozier, and the Memphis pick next year. Maybe or just the but... pick. Oh yeah, I, I think they'd want to keep Rozier because then if they get rid of Kyrie and Rozier, yeah, they it's probably fair. So yeah, so Ky- Kyrie, Morris, and maybe the. Maybe the Memphis pick next year, or something like that. Um, uh, do the Boston have any? No, they don't have any extra ones this year. No, they but got I no just don't. Ones. I just don't. It just doesn't seem like a like. Why would Danny Ainge? I don't know. Would, would Ainge? It doesn't feel like an Ainge play to me to trade a bunch of assets for potentially a rental at a you know for a guy who right when you've got if, if Gordon Hayward's healthy, you've got Hayward, Brown, and Tatum already as some you know three phenomenal wings like would you add a fourth wing well it only it only makes sense i don't know it only makes sense if they don't see Kyrie as a long-term boston celtic that's the only way it doesn't make sense um oh sorry it does make sense uh for them to do that because if they're thinking Kyrie's gone after next year anyway because we're not that interested in offering in the extension if they think that Kyrie's not going to be he's he's already said he's not going to and that's that makes sense financially but i think boston might be looking at it going you know what this guy's got dodgy knees he's already missed this season essentially with the knee injury um we're not all that comfortable actually having this guy on a long-term deal here uh so they might already be thinking ahead and going I think Kyrie's gone in the season anyway. Maybe we can sell Kawhi on the future of this team, make the NBA finals. I think if Kawhi goes there, you know, I mean, assuming LeBron isn't in the Eastern Conference next year, I think Boston are white-hot favourites, health permitting to make the NBA finals. So, And if Kawhi comes in and is able to contribute, uh, they're they're real favourites and obviously contenders for the the whole thing, Daz. So Boston might be able to convince themselves, hey, we we could actually have this guy here long-term. And I think Kawhi is better than Kyrie, 
all things being equal and, and health permitting and all those sort of things factored into it. Um, and, I, and I think in today's league, you can't have too many wings. Um, and, and as long as there's some of those guys have got some playmaking ability, which all of them do, uh, I don't think it's a bad fit at all to have um, Kawhi on the, mm. on the Celtics, mm. given the, the teams you're trying to beat um, and who you're trying to compete against. It just doesn't feel like an Ainge play. Like, it just doesn't feel... Like, if he had two more left, two, two years left, maybe. It's just, again, he's still got this... You know, he's going to get a deluge of, you know, lottery picks in the next couple of years. He's got budding stars. I just sort of... It just doesn't feel like an Ainge play to, to empty even a, a single... Getting rid of one of his lottery picks. You know, the Memphis pick or the Sacramento pick or something for Kawhi potentially for just one year. It just doesn't feel like an Ainge... just doesn't feel like an Ainge move, I guess. But, uh, um, well, we'll see. But, I mean, they've been yeah. named as a potential location. That's, But that's the only trade I see. I don't see them dealing Jalen Brown. I don't see them dealing the Sacramento pick. They're certainly not dealing Jason Tatum. The only deal I could see them making is Kyrie plus the Memphis pick, bring in Kawhi. That's pretty much it. I, I don't even think they'd, they'd necessarily add another player. Um, to that, I think it would be just a pick. Um, and who knows, the Spurs, you know, Kyrie was on the Spurs list. Kyrie likes the Spurs, the Spurs like him. Maybe the Spurs could talk themselves into that yeah. as well. Yeah, I guess, I guess. Yeah, the only other team now, Philadelphia, well, Philadelphia have two links. So they've got the Brett Brown link. They've also got the link of the doctor that he was seeing in New York is the link to the Philadelphia 76ers. So there's actually two links there to the 76ers already for Kawhi Leonard. Uh, so, and, and Philadelphia would have the inside running on some of the medical uh, history that we've already spoken about. But uh, I, I don't know. I mean, Philly certainly aren't going to give up any sort of younger assets no. for a guy that's going to be mm-hmm. on there for one year. Theoretically, he's a great fit. If they had any indication that he would be willing to sign an extension there, then I think, yes, um, they would move on him. And, and he has, again, with with the uh, inside connections he has, maybe they have a bit more trust in him than other franchises would have. Uh, but what does that trade look like for the Spurs? I mean, you're probably looking at Sarich, Covington and Fultz, something like that. Um, they their, their future picks don't really add up to anything unless they were willing to throw in the number 10 pick for this year. And then it's like Sarich or Fultz and Covington, something like that. Um, I think the Spurs might entertain that, but, you know, given Fultz's struggles thus far, I think Sarich is a is a good fit for the Spurs. They'd, they'd certainly find a spot for him, and, and Covington can probably fit in anywhere, but he, he's getting paid a bit of money now too, Robert Covington. So yeah. I'm not sure about that fit for the, for, from the Spurs' point of view as much as from Philly's point of view. I also don't see how uh, a coach who has been thrust into a uh, an interim general manager role in, in Philadelphia is going to do some giant blockbuster like that as well. I just I just don't see Brett Brown, you know, leading that charge. To be honest, without a you know something way more than a wink wink about signing long term, I just don't. That's he'd, he'd be crazy to, to blow up a roster to, to get Well, I think they could, year. yeah. But at least, I guess, if, if they go in with a bit more knowledge in this trading situation than most other franchises Maybe. would, given Brands and, and the Doctor, um, 
who has been treating him in New York um, and, and obviously has some sort of personal relationship there with him, um, they would have some sort of inside knowledge of, okay, this is what his mindset is, this is what his health situation is. So if they go in, you can be pretty much assured that he's already given them some sort of assurances that at the very least he'd talk to them at the end of that contract, he may not give a, a, an ironclad guarantee. And again, given the way he's conducted himself, I don't think any ironclad, any, any guarantee he could give would be ironclad. Um, the, the other team that's been mentioned has been the Clippers. I can't see the Clippers being able to put together a package that uh, impresses no. the Spurs enough. I mean, there's talk 12 and 13 pick and Tobias Harris, which is probably right in terms of where Kawhi Leonard's value is. But I think the Spurs are going to balk at that. And, and given that the Lakers have got the added incentive that I would suggest LeBron's... My guess with LeBron is he's already sort of indicated to the Lakers in some way, shape or form, I will come there, but I want to see you improve this roster. And that's why these sort of moves are being made and these sort of noises are being made around the league. Um, and if, if they could somehow pull, a, pull together a deal where they get Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and then bring LeBron in... Well, instantly they are you know, the number two team in the NBA in terms of the, the favourites for next year's title, if if not the favourites, depending on who they put around those three. Um, but we're probably jumping the gun there. But let, let's quickly look at the, the package the Lakers could put together. So they would be probably looking at, and there's been a lot of suggestions, there's no way the Spurs are going to take Deng's contract on. Um, they'll they'll just say, look, that's your problem, Lakers, that's not our problem. You need to make the salaries match in your own way. Uh, it's going to be probably Ingram, Kuzma, uh, and maybe a signed trade with Randall, or they'll, they'll add uh, some other draft picks. Not that their draft picks are going to be worth a hell of a lot. There's no chance, I think, the Spurs will take Lonzo Ball on, given the LeBar ball factor. I don't think they want to be go from dealing with one problem uh, relative of a team of a, of a player to another. Uh, they'd be really jumping out of the frying pan into the fire. But what do you think from the point of view, I guess, of what, what the Lakers could offer um, for the Spurs? Well, I guess there's the, there's the straight trades, which you'd need to get salary involved, which is... I guess it's hard to avoid Ding, right? I'd have to look closer at the Lakers' salary situation to go. Would could they throw enough money at at, at San Antonio that way? But well, they're talking seems... Josh Hart, Josh Hart, Kuzma, uh, Ingram, and I think Rand. I don't know if Randall was another one or the the draft picks yeah, okay. um, came into it as well. That that but he's a restricted it. free agent, so that's tricky, right? So, um, look. I sort of sort of feel like it's more likely um, that someone like Phoenix would be involved as a facilitator of the deal, where you know they could get involved in by taking you know Deng's contract, you know, off the Lakers' hands. He's got a remarkable. God, he's got two years and thirty-six million left. Holy shit! <laughs> That's just right. Wow. So 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 the price right. So the the the, the premium. Right, is that and the Lakers are willing to pay a premium because they're again they're going to give the guy long term. Is you know Phoenix would be asking for something like you know Lonzo Ball stapled to the wall, dang. Like we'll take thirty six million dollars. Basically, we'll give you thirty six million dollars, LA, and in return we want Lonzo Ball. And then you know that obviously clears enough cap, uh, clears enough space for for Kawhi. But then of course, then that, that you can fit in a Paul George or a LeBron there as well. So I, I think that's more likely than with whatever pieces then going to. I guess that's a Kuzma and Ingram deal, basically for for Kawhi. So they cleared Luol Deng, 
strip them three the, their three young guys in Ball, Kuzma, and and Ingram. Um, but they've cleared so much cap space, they can literally afford, you know, at least, you know, again the theory goes Paul George and and LeBron together. So the three of them teaming up in L.A., which in many ways would be really really interesting, if not terrifying. But so from Phoenix's standpoint, I kind of like them as that facilitator. I thought, just think logically, they go okay, Lonzo Ball, Devin Booker, and DeAndre Ayton with Josh Jackson, and okay, that's. That's at least interesting. You know, if, I, if I'm Phoenix, I, you know, that's a pretty easy sell for me, and actually would probably make a lot of sense. Just take back, take a bunch of money to get Lonzo Ball, no problem. That's for me. Is that's sort of like the most logical because there's no way San Antonio's taking back Dang, right? No, they've already. Well, that's yeah. that's been the indication um, that sort of sources have said uh, that but, they will not. That they, they sort of see Ding as the Lakers' problem. Yeah. So don't don't so think you're offloading him. That's on, right. On so that's why us. I think if there's, a, if there's a third team like Phoenix, that would make sense because again, LA only does this knowing that you know Kawhi has to be the first cab off the rank. LeBron has a you have a July one deadline. Yeah, June thirty deadline. I think to sign uh, with his player option, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, to opt in or yep. not, yep. So obviously they need Kawhi to go first, to basically, and for the Lakers to be serious to LeBron, say, okay, Deng's off, Deng is gone, Lonzo's gone, because again, there's the other layer of this onion is if you're LeBron James and you're thinking about Lakers as a destination, um, do you not make it a stipulation that uh, Lavar Ball is out of the picture, right? Literally, that, that's just a that's just a headache. Um, that's a headache that a guy like LeBron's just not going to tolerate no, and not accept. No. So I think that's like the ultimate for me is if we got Kawhi and Deng, Deng's off the books and so we can afford a, a running mate and Lonzo's gone. So that would take chutzpah by magic, but um, I think... I think they have it in them. There's no denying that Lakers want stars. Yeah, but I just can't want. see the Spurs doing that deal. Unless, you'd have to bring a third team in that's giving proper assets to the Spurs. And that's where, again, Sacramento, maybe get, they get involved and say, you know what, we're, we're high on Brandon Ing- higher on Brandon Ingram than anyone we see in this draft. Well, Here's a number two pick for Brandon Ingram. Then the number two pick comes to the Spurs with Josh Hart and whatever else they can sort of put together. Then maybe you're talking about um, a deal uh, that makes sense from the, from San Antonio's point of view. Although again, you've got some salary matching problems. The salary matching problems aren't as bad once July after July first, from They're my not, understanding. Yeah. But um, the, yeah. if it was to happen before, then um, you, you've got some problems there matching the salary. But the thinking is, it's it's probably going to happen right now, like this week, because of the draft, because of the assets, right? The soon, as soon as a draft pick is made, that pick is worth a lot less before the pick is the pick is awarded. So that's the thing. If there's this year's, you know, this year's draft assets to be involved, um, well, that's right. The Spurs that, would obviously yeah. want the pick, and then you, you know think, have the control yeah. who they who they actually pick with it. Um, so that's where things are going to be be interesting, and that's where the the killer for the Lakers is if they still had that ten, number ten pick which they, of course, used to get Steve Nash. Um, that's how long ago that, that draft pick's been floating around the league. Um, if they yeah. still had that pick, now you're talking. They've got the number 10 pick in this year's draft, and they probably and, and who knows, they probably wouldn't have been as good this year had they had an, had an incentive to tank. Maybe that, that pick's even higher than that. 
and then they can use that um, to lure Kawhi Leonard or, or to lure the Spurs into doing that trade. But my my general feeling is still, I, I think it's going to be unlikely the Spurs will, will do the trade with the Lakers, but where the value lies outside of that, I'm not sure. There to. might even be a yeah. number. There might even be an OKC-type team that comes in and says, you know what, we're just going to roll the dice for one season and put together some sort of package um, that interests the Spurs. But I just, I can't see, you know, Le- Kawhi is just that, that higher level player. This is a franchise killer for the Spurs if they don't get some sort of really top line future asset yeah. back and something that they yeah. can build around. That's where I think you're looking at the top end of that draft and you're hoping that Phoenix or, or Sacramento in particular can get Well, Phoenix has already, now. they've already came out and said, we are not trading the number one pick that's already been that's right sort of, so, that's been reported through the the local the local phoenix guy there i've seen so that they're gone. Sacram- so sacramento but who knows um and and that's where i think that the if you can somehow get sacramento involved from the the spurs no. point, or you can talk boston into giving you Jalen brown um but i guess just, i can't see that just happening see i just it. think you know, the best case scenario almost for the Spurs at this point is they do get Kyrie Irving from Boston uh, because I don't think even Brandon Ingram and we've spoken a lot about him on this pod I'm not that high on him right? yeah. and I don't think he's a good fit with the team um, he doesn't really have a position can't defend can't yeah. defend um, you know maybe there's some upside there but gee it's you know, it's it's hard to see at this point. He did say flashes, I guess, last year, but um, he's not a guy that I could get excited about um, building you, building for. I, I'm with you. you know, I'd almost prefer to do the Tobias Harris 12-13 deal with the Clippers than do yeah. a deal against Brandon Ingram, in all seriousness. Because at least with Tobias Harris, you're getting, what, 75% of Kawhi's yeah. offense you know, maybe 50% of his defence. But the Spurs were an elite defensive team last year anyway. So Tobias Harris actually maybe brings the Spurs up to a 5-6 seed in the West. And then who knows if you're able to hit a home run with either of those 12-13 picks. Uh, that that certainly mm. makes more sense to me than bringing Brandon Ingram in, who I just can't see being a, no. a major contributor. I, I agree with that. I just don't see that... That just sort of reverses the Clippers' logic, though. They just and DeAndre Jordan's got this one year; he's got a player option to exercise, and it just that just feels like the schizophrenic play for the Clippers. They seem to be on this path. We'll see what happens with DeAndre Jordan. It seems like they're just going to try to get younger and then be opportunistic. So I just doesn't it doesn't smell right from if I'm the Clippers' perspective. That does that's a pretty good package, though, if you're the Spurs. The twelve and thirteen aren't. Great. Pitch, well, as I said, it's probably so where his at, value's yeah. at. I mean, if this yeah. if we were talking about this last off season before all this yeah. drama happened, and he obviously had two two years left, or even if it was the one year left, you know. But just given the way he's tanked his value, <clears> I think that's right around where his value is in the league at the moment. You know, a couple of mid mid lottery picks and a, and a good level starting player in, in Tobias Harris. Yeah, looks pretty good. You know, the other one that was kicked around, I don't. Remember, I read this one. Was it? And they're all over the place. Everyone's got their their theorized ideas. But look, it's not an LA destination, so it still comes with it the the risk that he's not going to resign. But the the Heat, right? What if you got a a group like a, a group centered around Dragic, Richardson, who can shoot the ball, Justice Winslow, and maybe a Bam Adebayo or something, right? Like a um, 
you know, a trio or a quad a group like that where you, you just right swarm it with numbers. Now, you don't have the high upside, which is what I know the Spurs are obviously looking for, mm. but each of those players has really good, you know, really good NBA skill and better than a, a Popovich to get the most out of Justice Winslow, Josh Richardson, and, you know, Drogic feels like a Spurs kind of guy. So, and so there's stuff like that, but I just, again, if you're Pat Riley, that then puts you back into the, you know, uh, you got Kawhi and uh, basically, I guess, Hassan Whiteside. Jeez. <laughs> no, that's not. I, I can't that's, see Miami oh, doing it. I can't no. see the Spurs. Yeah, I think no. the Spurs want of a few. You know, if they, if they can get a, a a bona fide star now plus a pick, fantastic. But I think they really just want those future assets that they can build around. Um, and, and, you know, maybe they're just going, you know what, let's move on from this as quickly as possible because we need to yeah. make some, some decisions uh, about our franchise. So, so as, the, as the fan here, like, <laughs> what's your, of, of, these, of these theorized deals, um, without going crazy, you know, they're not, you know, what's your, what feels like the best outcome from your perspective at the moment? What's the best outcome here is oh it, look as i look, said i'd love sacramento to get involved um to get, get number that, two get that number two dream, pick right? and get don right. uh and whether he ends up going to the lakers with that or sacramento i don't really care where he goes to be honest if he goes to lakers so be it. i'm not that worried about it to be honest with you um i've, I've rooted against the lakers all my life <laughs> that's what, that's what he's just not going to kill me um so, no, I meant like what? What sort of return for you would feel the best? Yeah, is it like, I, I think that is it getting back a Kyrie or is it getting like a number two? Right, like which, you know, what's the? Oh, look, I'd love be... to get Jalen Brown back. To be honest, um, right? I think yeah. he's he's fantastic, but I, I can't see Boston doing it. But I, that that'd yeah. be my idea. Would be get Jalen Brown from from the Celtics and uh, one of their picks, maybe that Memphis pick. If we could somehow get that. Um, I'd be I'd be happy if we got Kyrie and and the pick I'd be fine. Uh, if if we got yeah, the okay. number two pick and we're able to take Doncic and maybe get Scalabissier who I've always rated, um, and maybe one of their other young guys on that roster is Bogdan Bogdanovic uh, who played some good basketball. I I can't see the Kings doing that much. No. Uh, to be honest, but you'd love to see something like that. What I the, the worst case scenario for me is if they just get Brandon Ingram and. Josh Hart and Kuzma from the Lakers. Um, that'd be just to me. That would be. Disastrous. It just doesn't feel like a Spurs move, does it? That just doesn't feel right. I don't think so. That's but not, you, you no. might just find that there's no no suitors. There might be just Boston might go. You know what? Yep, you can have Terry Rozier and the Memphis pick. That's all we're giving you. You know, and and Boston we were over in their rights to do that because they're like, well, we're not taking the risk. Why are we taking this risk on? Yeah. You know, I'm so that's that's where it could end up. And look, if worst case scenario, if they, if all the trades, then and it wouldn't be the end of the world to get the Tobias Harris and the two Clippers picks. I mean, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be dancing through the streets about it. But at least it'd be an interesting draft day for me on Friday. Uh, but look, as as a fan, I've moved on now. I just think, well, look, it is what it is. Um, you know, Kawhi's not not covered himself in glory in this, but uh, he's given the Spurs a lot of good years. And uh, I guess you you remember the good times that you have with a with a great player like that. And um, I'm not going to say I wish him all the best in his future endeavours or anything like that. But um, 
you know, I've sort of gotten over it uh, as the last couple of days have gone on. And, and who knows? I mean, there might be another twist to the story yet and, and the Spurs still bring him back. I'm not convinced that the Spurs will be forced uh, into rushing this decision. And I think what you'll find is if there's mm-hmm. not a deal around before the draft, I think they'll say, you know what? At this stage, you're under contract, and we expect to see you report back for the off-season uh, for, or for pre-season mm-hmm. training. Um, now, that's not ideal, but look, the Spurs—they're a professional life organisation to work through this, um, and they, I don't think they're going to be panicked or pushed into a deal um, by the sort of accept- the exceptionalism of the Lakers, just thinking, well, you know, everyone needs to come to us. It's just preordained. Um, but what I do think does is preordained is LeBron James going to the Lakers. I think what you'll probably find uh, with LeBron is he's maybe given the Lakers a deadline uh, where they need to have made some moves to improve that roster. And if they've done such, I think he, he'll sign. I don't even know that he'll meet with any other teams, to be honest. Um, but if they don't make those moves, then I think you might see him shopping around to Philly, Houston. Um, I don't th- I don't see Cleveland being in the picture at all. Um I'm not even sure who else beyond Houston or Philly would be on, on any sort of a list uh, for LeBron, to be honest. But do you sort of feel the same way, given how, how everything seems to be shaking out across the league? Well, I don't know what his relationship's like with Kawhi, because the, the conversation now is the thinking is that, um, you know, isn't Kawhi on the phone to LeBron right now? I doubt right. that because I've heard I that LeBron doesn't even either. like Kawhi, and Kawhi doesn't speak yeah. to anyone. So what? It doesn't, what, it doesn't seem like it doesn't. Yeah. That doesn't. Say, I think what it is is the Lakers have been told get your shit together. If you've got your shit together by twentieth of July, let's say to throw out some random date, then I'm not even going to meet with any other teams. I'm coming to LA. I'm signing a contract. So LA have now put the word out to Kawhi's team: if you want out, you need to get out now. And we yeah. need to start making some trade deliberations because guess what, the but, king's coming to LA. But the thing is, like, <laughs> LeBron is already—we already know, right? We just don't know who these guys are, but we know that he's already picked his trio, right? So it's pretty—it's pretty hard to imagine him not. Like him and Paul George are just way too logical, right? It's like the question is, who's the third? And that's what I don't know. If Kawhi doesn't feel like the third, then who's the third guy? in LA. So that's where I go. LeBron's going to need to see those things line up. Right. Um, well, I think Kawhi I, could be, but certainly Chris Paul's name has been mentioned. Um, but they, you know, you've got, they can't yeah, sign all three of those guys. They'd need to do one of them in a trade. Um, they're probably going to have to wave Luel Deng. Uh, stretch him. Yeah, yeah. Stretch him and wave him. So, um, but yeah, Chris Paul could be the guy. Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, I don't know if there's any other sort of free agents out there that move the needle that much. Um, and because there's a lot of restricted free agents uh, this yeah. off-season, but not not as many unrestricted guys that are going to be hot, heavily sought after. So to me, it really comes down to Paul George, you pencil him in at this stage, if they can do the trade for Kawhi or if they can somehow get Chris Paul uh, to come over there and, and run with LeBron for a year. But that would probably have to be a sign and trade in its own right um, with Houston. I agree. Uh, let's cover off a bit of news now, Daz. The, um, the Toronto Raptors uh, finalised their head coaching search. Uh, sadly for Spurs assistant Tori Messina, who was finalist for the Bucks job and this job, he misses out again. They go with Nick Nurse. Uh, was who was assistant coach on their roster already? That was a 
a bit of a strange one to me. I mean, Messina had been touted as having the inside running for the job. And it just was a strange one from the point of view. This is a team that, to me, needed the culture overhaul. So why would you hire from within when it's so clearly that you probably need some outside influence to change the culture of the franchise? Yeah, that, that that's a strange one. I agree. I thought for sure this, look at all the markings of a Messina, right? So you have the you know, Masai Ujiri, you know, he's got a very worldview, very open-minded, very creative. It's like almost like the ultimate, um, you know, GM stroke president to, you know, to take a quote, take a chance, but to to fit with Messina. Just as you said, it's the team that, you know, obviously changed its style of play, and and, and very very good reason. You know, Dwayne Casey will have won, perhaps coach of the year. I think he's going to be definitely top three in the voting. It'll be close um, when we finally gets revealed because of they. Again, they changed the way they played last year and used that bench brilliantly. So um, I guess that's the, that's the flip side, Daz, is that the team was a very comfortable one seed. They got the most out of their roster. And, and yes, they have absolutely zero answers for, for LeBron. So I guess the thinking if you're Masai is run it back, let the young guys keep getting better, and stay with, um, you know, keep with continuity of, of the program. And I guess he would have seen enough. Look, Nick Nurse is also a very experienced coach. He coached a lot of places. I think he coached like the English national team, and he's coached in the D League and the G League. This guy's coached before. He knows what it's like to make the decisions. So I guess he probably would have seen something in the, in the interview that had him tip the scales towards the continuity plus enough of – you know, can Nick do something different from an X's and O's game management, which is the only criticism for Casey, right? Was the the in-game, you know, um, and a little bit of matchups, a little bit of pre-game, a little bit of strategy, I suppose. We didn't see a lot from, from Casey. He had no answers for Cleveland. He's never had any answers for Cleveland. So I have a feeling Nurse just sort of painted a very clear picture about here's what went, here's what went wrong, here's what I would do differently, and here's why that's a good idea. Right, it's probably not any more complicated than Nick Nurse, who intimately knows that roster, giving a very different story to Masai than what Dwayne was giving him. So, hmm. tough luck for Messina. Um, probably good for the Spurs, right? With Pop going through what he's going through now, with you know, and with Kawhi's drama. So I don't know from your perspective, maybe this is a good thing for you guys, where you you keep Becky Hayman, um, Hammond, and you keep Miss um, uh, Atore to maybe if Pop has one or two more years left, that these are. Your, is your top lieutenants up in your ranks. So it's tough luck for the guy. I don't know if he'll ever get a head, co- head coaching job that's not in San Antonio now. I sort of felt for him, but... Yeah, yeah I think so that's I, it. I mean, the, the, the word coming out of San Antonio is Pop's going to coach two more years. And um, that, that, well, they said he's in a circle. Don't expect him to coach beyond 2020. Um, and then yeah, he'll okay. obviously become okay. more involved in Team USA. So, and, and Masuna will be 61 by then. Maybe he'll coach four or five years, and then who knows where Becky Hammond's at yeah. by that stage and whether she's um, got another job somewhere else or what, what's happened there. So at least the Spurs didn't have their, their entire um, coaching staff gathered because they all interviewed uh, for roles elsewhere, and it was only Borrego in the end that got the job in Charlotte. So the other coaching news uh, was Dwayne Casey came back. He went to Detroit. Um, I wasn't a 
I'm not a big fan of this. It feels a little bit like Lionel Hollands to me when he went to New Jersey. Um, it, 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 theoretically, you think, yes, it's a good coach. It's, it's a good, well, a reasonably good team. And the Nets sort of were trending a bit more upwards than what this Detroit Pistons team were but or, or looking at the moment. But uh, that didn't work out at all for Lionel Hollands or the Nets. And I just got a feel I wouldn't have minded seeing Dwayne Casey take a year off um, rather than jump straight back in like this, particularly to a, a team that's under immense pressure straight away. But who knows? Look, he, he coached a good year this year in the regular season. He's already said he's got plans for how they're going to use Blake Griffin next year. So uh, if they can stay healthy, which is obviously a big if, uh, given the, the construction of that roster, who knows what he might be able to uh, to do there. But what did you make of that hire? I kind of liked it, I'll be honest with you. Where it, I, I probably at one point thought Casey needs to go away and go to the mountains and, you know, go hiking in Afghanistan or something, just get away from the world. But now that's not how guys at that level probably think, right? The 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 anger the fear you know that is as much ridicule as we've given this poor guy how many sleepless nights he's had you know since that series and so the best way to forget it it's like like any top athlete right to get back on the horse and perform and he got a million dollar raise he's making six billion a year in toronto i was getting seven million in detroit so i go that's a pretty good fucking reason to go Mm -hmm. interview for a job so i i I guess i also kind of like it I guess I, I, I when I saw the opening uh, when they decided to get rid of Van Gundy, who I think you and I both agreed should have had one more year to go. I got man, they need a veteran coach with this group, right? This is not a there's a lot of shit going on here. There's a lot of a lot of moving parts, a lot of bizarre pressure, yet not a lot of flexibility with this roster. They're operating without a general manager at the moment, so that's going to be a, a screwy dynamic. So you need someone who's got a, a very confident. Um, confident mindset who's not going to be bothered by a GM coming over the top of him later on and can immediately go into that locker room and and try to get the most out of guys who are no doubt at very different, um, have very different interests, right? Andre Drummond's trying to stay relevant in the NBA. Reggie Jackson's trying to prove that he can be somebody to hopefully get another contract. And Blake, you know, who knows about who knows about what Blake, but it's how do you keep that guy motivated when he probably doesn't really want to be there, right? So that's a that's a hard that's a hard hard job, and so I, I think someone like him as much so, so someone like him I thought was a good temperament, Daz. And then you look at what's the risk of it as well. Like what's what's the downside? I still think the downside's not that great, Daz. When you think because look again all the reasons we just said the Blake trade. You know, not great draft picks with Henry Ellenson and Luke Kennard. I guess they love unathletic white guys in Detroit. You know, they're, they're their top picks recently. And you kind of go, the roster construction is the flaw with that team. So there's not a lot of risk the next couple of years. Oh, my worry is more for Casey than for the Pistons. I just think if, if he bombs out in this this job, which it's it's high degree of difficulty to, to do anything with this roster, um, if he flames out in a couple of years and they make the playoffs over a year, maybe they, we, we don't hear from Dwayne Casey again. I mean, Lionel Hollins is now, uh, you, you'll see him occasionally on NBA TV talking to Isaiah Thomas. Like, he can't get a head coaching job again. Um, and he was, uh, you know, he, he did a very good job when he was at Memphis. Um, 
uh, and I just thought took the first job that sort of came up. It looked good on paper mm. and, and didn't work out. I, I just get the sense we might see the same thing with Dwayne Casey. That's what I'm saying. There's, I don't think there's a lot of downside. He's 61 years old, Daz. It's not like he's got... Well, I suppose that's true. He might he might not have that many more years left in him at at, at coaching anyway. So if he coaches another, yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. The downside if if the if this team misses the playoffs the next two years ago, he inherited a horrible roster, right? I think it's a pretty. That's why I'm saying it's not a lot of downside. And have you seen his wife? (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) should I should I do that? Dwayne Casey's wife is smoking. Damn. Well, I, just, I suppose I he makes, what he was. makes I, 70 million a year. I thought he was younger than that. He looks younger than 61. He looks good for 61. That's what I mean. Look at, so, yeah, so this is... It's obviously not stressing his, him out too page. much. No, it's not, not at all. It looks pretty dapper here. It's well, what I'd do... I mean, red carpet even. If, if LeBron goes west, wouldn't you just go to Blake Griffin and say, guess what, Blake? You're the best player in this conference now. Let's go out and show it every night. Oh, now, we, you and I both know that's not the case, but this is a guy that was a top five player in the NBA, Daz, not that long ago, or you could certainly have made the argument he was uh, not that long ago. You know, guys like that don't, they don't... I'm sure Blake Griffin still believes he's one of the elite players in the NBA, so you've just got to try and, I guess, turn his mentality around where he, he starts to believe that every night and maybe starts leading this team the way he led that Clippers team you know, two, three years ago. Whether he's physically able to, I, I think, maybe is, the, the, is the question. Well, that's a good point. I suppose that's a, that's a fair point. And I, I go, what does that mean, though? What what does that mean to lead? And I think for your Blake Griffin, leadership that's going to be interesting is perhaps changing his game, right? Playing playing differently, so he's not the guy who's going to jump out of the gym anymore and break backboards, you know, metaphorically, you know, with you know dunks from the rafters. But is he a Right. Is he almost more like a playmaking four? And how you put the ball in his hands more, which is probably more fun. Mm-hmm. So I think you try to win Blake over with, hey, you're a potential Hall of Famer if you can play, you know, play a few more years in this system and diversify your game and, you know, become a modern version of this, you know, he'd be, he'd be a hell of a modern five, wouldn't he? It's a shame he plays next to Drummond. Um well, they could stagger those lineups too, where, you, where you're could, running the, the drum and Jackson pick and rolls, and then you're playing Blake as a point guard, um, you know, and just got other guys, yeah. other shooters off the ball um, in different ways. So, and Dwayne Case has already said that he has plans for Blake Griffin and how he's going to use him in that lineup. So I think yeah. there's going to be something um, quite interesting to see about what he does there. And when we've seen him from a developmental point of view too, you know, what he did with Ananobi and Van Vliet, among others, and, and um, Siakam and Pirtle, like these guys all developed well under his tutelage. So it maybe did. you might see a stand. Stanley Johnson, a Luke Kennard, um, do they? I don't think they don't have a draft pick this year. But um, you know, some of these young guys that they might have coming through might be able to take another step uh, under his tutelage. So um, yeah, look, I, you're talking me around, I guess, um, given given the age factor and and that he might have a couple of years and then enjoy his retirement with his with his lovely wife. Um, yeah, look, and, and be fourteen million dollars richer. The other final, they got a four-year deal. So, the, and the other finalist was a, um, the college coach was um, was the Michigan coach, coach yeah. in Michigan. Yeah, but I thought this is not, this is not a, the roster or the time for a, no. you know, for a, a first timer like that. So, I, I quite liked it. And again, get get back on the horse. If you're Casey, 
he's had enough sleepless nights. He knows his legacy. You know, he's got a bit of bit of a scar on it. You know, with this this embarrassing sweep again to LeBron. Um, so he just probably wants to put that behind him as fast as possible. So good on him. Good on him. All right, David, we spoke about the draft. The draft is coming up on Friday. Uh, we're going to hopefully uh, talk live during the draft at some stage, depending on if we can work at, uh, get around our work commitments on Friday Australian time, uh, Thursday US time. Uh, have you sort of been glancing your eye over the draft? I'll give my quick take before I, I get yours. My sort of take is I- it, it seems to be a two-player draft from the point of view of Aiton and Doncic at the top. Then I'm I'm not convinced about anyone of the sort of next ten picks. They could be great players. They could be busts. Feels like a lot of bust potential. And then there's a heap of guys who I think are going to be really nice value in the middle of the draft. The sort of Zaheer Smiths and uh, Bates Diop, uh, among others, that in in that middle section that you sort of you know what you're going to get out of them. So they're going to come in and be just solid role players, but they're going to be nice value in in the middle rounds. Um, but it feels like there's a lot more bust potential uh, at the top end of the draft. But do, are you rooting it the same way? Yeah, I think because everyone's got some flaws, right? But it's so it, it doesn't feel as deep as last year's draft, right? We were talking about like Lowry Markinen and Dennis Smith and guys like and Malik Monk, who you know could have felt like they could have been top five picks, right? Mm. Um, who went down as whatever the eight, ten, and eleven or whatever that was. So, and then, you know Mitchell obviously went thirteen, and players like Bam Adebayo, you know, went fourteen and you know, and so on and so forth. And DJ Wilson had a breakout <laughs> breakout season in, in Milwaukee. So, um, yeah, we, we know the story of the 2017 draft. So it felt, it felt a little bit lower on the top end. Like Fultz was a, but he was a clear number one, wasn't he? And then, you know, Ball, Tatum, Jackson, Fox, Isaac, Market, and Nilakina. You're like, yeah, okay. And so it turned out to be a really, really, really deep draft. This feels like your two stars and then a bunch of similar guys, probably to last year's draft. Everyone from Bagley, Jackson, Bombo, Trey Young, Michael Porter, Wendell Carter, the traditional center from Duke, the young kids from Kentucky like Knox and Gilgis Alexander. There's lots of. It feels like it's a potentially rich draft. It's just as you were saying, it's a really good year, I think, for uh, where the Bucks and Spurs are at. Be picking 17, 18, because you might just get as much value picking there as you would at say 10 and 11 doesn't seem to be a lot of difference between you know Mikhail Bridges the kid you know the older kid from from Villanova and you know Gilgis Alexander the young dude from Kentucky or the scoring threat of a holiday from Drew Holiday's little brother from Mm. um, from UCLA scored 20 points a game so yeah so my my take is just as that which is it feels like a two-man draft Um, although word is starting to kind of leak out that Maybe the Kings aren't that high on Doncic, and are looking at um, looking at Bagley, you know, try to get themselves. Again, well, they're trying six. to trade down. That's that's what I've heard again. Yeah. And that, that to go back to the Kawhi, that that's why I thought they might be more likely to get involved in the Kawhi sweepstakes because they're not that high. Uh, and there's also been talk. I'm not sure if it's still out there that Doncic may st- stay in Europe for another year. He's not guaranteed to come out to the NBA. I'm not sure if he's confirmed that or not since I read that story. I'd be saying that too if I was could get drafted by the Kings <laughs> or the Hawks. 
Well, that's and right. that's that's the reason why he was saying it. He's putting it out there. So I believe it. Um, yeah. And I don't. Well, look, Memphis is not exactly a great place. I mean, where does he want to go in that in of those top teams? There's not oh, exactly I don't know. any I think, ideal destinations. There's no way he's falling to four, is there? I just can't imagine he'd fall to Memphis. But I think that'd be brilliant, right? For a guy like that to play, grow up next to Conley and Gasol. I think that'd be fucking. Oh, awesome. a good NBA no, situation, granted. but I guess is, yeah, it, yeah. is it the yeah. best situation in terms of where you want to live when you come out from from Europe ah, to America? Yeah, yeah. Uh, some of these guys care, I guess. Some of them care. I well, we're seeing. That, but, I mean, it's not the most yeah. glamorous NBA uh, franchise either. They go and play for the grit and grind Memphis Grizzlies. Um, yeah. So yeah. I, I'm not. But again, I'm not sure like, where is going to be a nice nice landing spot for him yeah. um, if, you, if you're worried about those sort of aesthetics um, when but the other so that's fair look I, I think he's going to go there's no way he gets past Atlanta right so I, even if Sacramento fluffs it I just can't imagine Atlanta also then well I'm hearing like Atlanta taking... are sold on Jaron Jackson Jr so that's great where, that's probably where he's slotted yeah, yeah that's probably yeah. because they're thinking him and John Collins um, in that front that could court. be good so yeah. Um, yeah. But what's weird, right, is it's what's interesting is that there's all these there's all these bigs at the top of the draft, right? You know, we got Aiton, who's probably almost certainly going to go number one. Marvin Bagley, who's he's not a center, but he's six eleven, right? He's that sort of the long rangey scoring, you know, type, almost you know more athletic Kevin Love or almost Rasheed Wallace like sort of player. You know, Jaron Jackson's a seven footer. Mo Bamba, right, the the defensive. God, he's like Giannis without the handle. It's just arms and legs everywhere. Seven foot ten reach. Freakish. Um, you know, Wendell Carter, who's a really skilled center from Duke, who a lot of people are torn on him because he's almost a very traditional sort of... Well, I think he's the only guy that doesn't really have the the the, um, the, yeah. the shooting range. Um, although I'm not sure Jaron Jackson right. does necessarily either. But um, I know Jaron Jackson's father could hit the three-pointer. Back in the day with the Spurs in the '99 championship team, who's his dad? Jaron Jackson. Oh, the original J. Oh, yeah. the junior. The original JJ. All oh, oh, right. We didn't like him in Australia <laughs> because he took Andrew so, Gaze's minutes. Oh, dude. <laughs> Sorry, you can tell it's a bit late. Is Jaron Jackson Junior? Who? What's his, what's his dad's name? Just Jaron Jackson. Says me. Yeah, I know. I'm going, oh, I'm, I'm getting so tired too. <laughs> no, it was me. That's what I'm saying. I literally think I was going, oh, was it Jimmy Jackson? That's all. That's anyway, stupid. But so, so a lot of big guys, you know, towards the top of the draft. That's why I think the, what's going to be interesting is you get all these wings, all these Swiss Army knife wings from, you know, um, the Kevin Knox and Mikel Bridges and Miles Bridges and, Robert Williams is more of a big, but Lonnie Walker from Miami, Jair Smith, that, you know, almost the Ogman type, you know, from Texas Tech. Gilgis Alexander is like a skinnier Michael Carter Williams, but probably a little more skilled. You know, Jacob Evans from Cincy, you know, there's all kind of Troy Brown from Oregon. There's all these six, 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 seven guys who are really, really intriguing between, you know, like say the number nine slot and the number 20 slot. So that's going to be really interesting. And the um, so I think it's going to be fun watching the. I think I have a hunch, right, that the wings are going to get overvalued. So I think you know all those teams in that range are going to take a whole bunch of wings, and they should. So you're going to see, I think then you're going to see the guards. You're going to see value like, um, you know, value dropping sort of toward the ends of the first round as well as these wings get sort of quote unquote overpriced. So, 
Um, it's going to be really fun. It's going to be really fun. I, I haven't studied like years past, probably because Draft Express is gone, right? Literally, that used to be the Bible, right? The, mm. the Bible for for all things and you know, at least getting 10 minutes of video clips on these guys on strengths and weaknesses and getting a little bit of a feel for what they're good at and not good at and where they fit. So I'll be honest, that was my that was my main source of video footage on these guys. So all I'm doing is reading. So I don't have any – I can't do and won't do a projection. It would be completely useless. But it just feels like that's how the draft's going to go. Lots of big guys at the top. Um, lots of great value for wings in the middle. And then you could get some really good, the guards who probably should have been drafted, you know, 15 or 16 in years past, you know, like an Aaron holiday or like a Kevin Hunter, sorry, Huter, the herder, the shooting guard. I think those guys will be coming at the end of the first. It could be your next year's Kuzma and, and Josh Hart, basically. Yeah. If you're looking for uh, Kevin Knox is a guy that's, that's moving up in the, in all the draft boards and the workouts mm. at the moment. And uh, the guy, uh, Eli Okobu, I think from France, I've probably just mangled his oh, name, yeah. but he's moving up. He's sort of been touted as maybe this year's Donovan Mitchell in terms of just a guy that I, I guess people were a bit higher and, and, and Mitchell was on people's radars a bit more than what this guy is, but he's killing the workouts as well. And uh, he's already played professionally in France um, for what it's worth there at also. So... Uh, he's a guy that's sort of moving up in draft boards, and he's going to be right around that sort of Spurs uh, Bucks range. So I'm really looking forward mm. to the next the next 20 years of watching the 17 and 18 picks duke it out. Oh as, God! I mean, you think if if the Bucks took GJ Wilson in a stacked draft, what are they going to take this year when it's not quite as stacked a draft? Who are they going to take? I don't know. Scroll down to the bottom and pick a guy, <laughs> Trevon Duval. The seventh player on Duke, right? I don't know. It is something <laughs> retarded. But, again, it can't be any worse than taking Rashad Vaughn and, and DJ Wilson, so I'm bracing myself. Uh, they've, they, look, they've acquitted themselves by taking Brogdon, and I think Sterling Brown's going to be an NBA player. So They've I had good second rounds, haven't they? They've had good second rounds. Really good second rounds, years, yeah. The yeah. first rounds have left a lot to be desired. No. But I think that's the point, right? The younger and younger the draft gets, right? you got all these 18, 19 um, you know, twenty-year-olds playing. You don't have these twenty-one, twenty-two-year-olds with lots of, you know, knowing who they are. It's just going to be higher variability, and so that's again lends itself to. Yeah, well, they're saying the one and done rule is going to probably be gone after the 2021 season. So the NBA actually sent a memo around the league uh, to say that that would be reviewed because now, of course, they can start trading. There's no 2022 draft picks being traded yet, but teams need to be aware that if you're going to start trading 2022 draft picks, uh, the one and done guys that you might be looking at in high school in the next couple of years, they will not be eligible for that draft. Um, that's sort of the thinking at the moment there. What what you know what sort of um, or how that looks? I'm not sure. So whether they're going to say there's going to be an age limit, or whether they say yes, guys can come out of the college and play professionally straight away, like we're seeing guys now bypass college and go straight to the G League, uh, or we've spoken about the Next Star program here in Australia, where guys have come out. So how that's going to look in terms of one and done, I'm not sure, but that that's certainly going to be a, a, an area to watch uh, in the coming years, and it's mm. going to make mm. projecting these these guys on draft night a little bit easier as well. Easier or harder because you have high schoolers coming in. Well, that's that's right? assuming you're drafting high school, so it depends that's on true. whether they're yeah. whether they're going to professional for a couple of years, and there is the age limit. 
or um, whether it's just a matter of um, you know, saying you, you can't just do one year of college, you've got to have at least one year of professional basketball on your belt. I'm not sure what how yeah, okay. that's going to look um, in terms of that, but I think you're right. I mean, trying to project getting, these one-and-done guys is, is ridiculously hard. Getting the, but getting the, you know, getting the NCAA out of the way, because we see what this does to, I mean, just the recent examples of you know Ben Simmons having that tragic, completely wasted year at LSU. Mm. Um, and well, Fultz was, was pretty much the same. Fultz was a, was a waste. At least Fultz played in position and got himself right, the number one pick. But right, Simmons would have been number one. And just what did he develop? Did he develop one redeemable skill? You know, at LSU, you just have to question it, right? Yeah. And guys like Robert Williams this year, who was playing next to, you know, he came back as a sophomore and played next to two other centers, a guy six foot eleven, and playing literally three centers on the floor. Just the crap these freaking college teams do, right? And fair enough, they're trying to win games, but. They're not here to develop these players. They're just trying to win games. So it does a disservice to these kids. So um, anything to get the bloody NCAA out of the, out of the, you know, taking their cut off these amazing, you know, I mean, talk of the top in lottery talent here, right? The college yeah. is still phenomenal for, you know, your guys who are going to get drafted, you know, between, say, 15 and 50, right? These guys, these men, they're the Malcolm Brogdons and the Norman Powells and the Pat McCaws, right, and the, Josh Hart's the guys who played three, four years of, of NCAA and have an NBA game, just don't have the NBA ceiling, right? The way these some yeah. of these amazing athletes are 18, 19. So there's still going to be a role for it, just not the one. The and one that's what runs. Chris Vern on the on the ringer said. He said, look, when I, if I'm drafting, if I'm one of these gems, he said, I just want certainty. He said, just give me the guy I know is not going to suck. Right. Yeah. He said, yeah. "Don't go, don't swing for the fences and go for upside, because the, the, generally the higher the upside, the lower the downside can be." Um, That's right. Let's just try and take a guy that we know, or this guy is at the very worst going to be a solid NBA starter. Um, you know, he might not ever get to an all NBA level, but um, you know, his ceiling might be all star and he's going to be a solid starter. That's the sort of player that we want to bring in, um, and that's maybe where some teams fell down last year because I, th- I think you know when you look when you're probably looking back in hindsight, that was the wraparound Donovan Mitchell. This guy, he might not be an absolute superstar, but he's going to have. Um, you know, he's going to be a really solid player, and of course, occasionally players can even outperform those expectations. Totally. But look, I think this is actually a this is as transformative. You know, last year it was transformative for a couple of teams, right? For Philadelphia with the big trade, um, Lonzo, and then of course Tatum going. But I go last year's draft, and of course, you know, getting the, the diamond in the rough and Mitchell in the middle. But other than that, this wasn't it wasn't a hugely wasn't a super super important draft for a lot of teams last year. You know, Jonathan Isaac, you know, doesn't you know. That wasn't moving the dial for an Orlando team, and Josh Jackson wasn't moving the dial, and De'Aaron Fox was the first young player they had in a long, long time, and the Knicks drafting Neil Aquina, and Dennis Smith's the first player Dallas has ever had, and Zach Collins, you know, you know, not not an impact player, and so on and so forth. So just not the impact. I I think it's just as the what I mean is the draft feels more important to a larger number of teams this year than it did last year. Is this sort of what it feels like, right? Phoenix now with number one, they have the number sixteen pick as well. Atlanta, the you know the number three pick and number nineteen. Sacramento trying to make something of the number two pick with you know before they, you know before they miss out next year. Philadelphia has the two first rounders and then four second rounders. 
Memphis are hoping to get their fortunes turned around. If they get a healthy Conley and Gasol, they're probably thinking they can get lucky with someone that can kind of, you know, inject their franchise. And this is hugely important draft, I guess, for Cleveland. You know, super excited to get that number eight pick last year and so on and so forth. It just, it just feels more important. Well, I, I think, think part of that is, too, year. you've got teams that have been there, there for a number of years, so it's time to get moving. Yeah. Uh, or you've got teams that have fallen back, you know, for, for injury reasons in Memphis and obviously Cleveland with the trade. Um, we'll try and sort of retool on the fly and see if they can become contenders again. But certainly for teams, a team like Phoenix, you know, they've got to get this pick right. I think for a team like uh, Atlanta's probably got the worst roster in the league from a rebuilding point of view. So this is sort of the first building block for them. Um, but yeah, for, for teams like Orlando, Phoenix, Sacramento, they've been there too many years now. They, they need to start yeah. getting those picks right, yeah. and that's, that's where right. it becomes very, very critical um, for them to, to be able to pull the right strings. So, yeah. All right, Daz. Well, look, we might leave it there for tonight, mate. Um, I don't think there, there, obviously there's going to be a lot more news on the Kawhi Leonard front. Um, We'll, we'll certainly be hearing. Yeah, we might even see some trades before Friday. Uh, at this stage, we'll sort of. I'm sure there'll be different little tidbits of news breaking every day on the Kawhi Leonard front, and that that will be the first domino to fall, I think. And then, of course, you'll have the draft, and then we're going to go straight into free agency. So, no worries. We'll see good you, to buddy. speak to you again, mate. We'll talk that was soon. fun. Okay. That was good. All right, All right mate. Take Bye. Care. Bye.